I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 4. This is the final message that we're going to have for a while in the book of Romans. We're going to take a different angle during the summer and look at the Psalms and invite you, invite you to trust the Lord completely. That's what, Psalm, that's what Romans 4 is about. Now, of course, that's what a pastor would say, right? He wants you to trust the Lord. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, the rest is pretty much blah, blah, blah after that. Okay, it's, uh, it's like the, the guy went home from church and said, what did the pastor talk about? And he talked about sin. Well, what did he say about sin? He's against it. You know, that's, uh, that's just the opposite, I guess. What did he talk about? Oh, he talked about faith. What did he say about faith? Well, he's for it. Okay? Yes, that's true. Because I think there is really good reason to trust in God. That's what I want to give you this morning. And the reality is we get so confounded when it comes to trusting God because we are so much creatures of sight that look for external evidence that what we're believing is actually true. When in fact, if you're believing in God, what you're believing in is true whether you see it or not. And so let's look at Romans 4. We'll talk about what it means to trust God with the initial promise, what it means to trust God with other promises, but... We'll see it from the vantage point of Abraham, the father of faith. Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who gave life, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, He believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were written, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So here we have the example of Abraham as a father of faith. As it was with him, so it will be with us. And the interesting thing about this is we have recorded for us throughout the book of Genesis several opportunities 
that Abraham had to believe the Word and promise of God. And we neglect, I think, at least I do, as I read those, to realize how impossible it would have been to trust God. In Genesis chapter 12, we have the very first promise that God will make him a great nation and God will bless those who bless him and He'll make him a blessing to all the families of the earth. And He would give him a land when he was a nomad. And then He would give him, and in chapter 15, when he had no children, years later, God said, I will give you a child when he was an old man and his wife had been barren all her life. And we think, oh, well, sure, whatever. But the reality is, if we had those same circumstances, if we were looking in the face of what appears to be utterly impossible, I mean, how many of us would stand and say, count me in. I totally believe it. Um, Probably not very many of us. So this morning, I want to try and show you the, the key to Abraham's faith that unlocks the promise of God. That enables him to enjoy what God has told him. And so here is the key right up front. Okay, in verse 17, we're picking up really from last week, and this dash there in the middle of the verse sets off for us a new thought. That God promised, or as it was written, I've made you the father of many nations, dash in the presence of God in whom he believed. Here you have Abraham receiving the word or the promise of God and then not hearing from God for a number of years. Silence. Nothing. Just desert. Just hill country. Just a few bleeding sheep. And then you have Abraham's complaint again in chapter 15. And in chapter 15, he says, I made you the father of many nations. When in, the, in truth, he wasn't the father of anyone. He wasn't the father of anyone. And he's going to have to decide. I'm not the father of anyone. God says I'm the father of many nations. What's it going to be? And here is the, here is the key. Here is, the, here is the, the fulcrum by which his faith would pivot. In the presence of God in whom he believed. In the presence of God. If you take out God, these are just words. If you take out the character and the faithfulness and the righteousness and the truthfulness and the eternality of God, it's just noise. Made you the Father of nations in the presence of God in whom He believed. 
The promise is only as good as the promiser. Or to say it negatively, the promise is no good if the promiser is no good. And you know that to be the case. I mean, you, you have relationships with people that tell you one thing and you know it's not true and you're not going to believe them. Not because what they said wasn't something good to say, but because the promise, the person who said it, the, 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 the character behind the promise was no good and you knew that. Here, we're confronted with the fact that there is a promise. That God, makes, God operates with us by promises. Those are only as good as His character. And so we have to decide. Am I going to believe what God says or not? And it's, if, you, if you do or don't, it's based on how you perceive the character of God. Here's, here's the way that Abraham perceived it. Who gives life to the dead? I mean, Abraham had absolutely no experience with this right now. Who gives life to the dead. I mean, if you read through the rest of the Old Testament, you see a few people come back to life for a little while. You read the New Testament, you see Jesus raised Lazarus again. Again, He died. But then, you have Jesus crucified, buried, and risen again. Abraham didn't know Jesus, but Abraham believed the character of God was such that he can call those who are dead back to life. That nothing, absolutely nothing, is final with God. He gives life to the dead. And he calls into existence the things that do not exist. The character of God is such that the non-existence of a thing poses no problem. The fact that the, the, the promise isn't even close to being fulfilled is not a big deal. This is the God who said, let there be light. And there was light. This is the God who spoke the world into being everything from nothing. Who calls into existence the things that are not so that they are. The Creator God, the life-giving God is making promises. And He operates with His people on the principle of faith, them believing His promises. That's how grace comes from God. That's how a relationship with God is established and maintained is that God makes promises and we put our faith in those promises. And so we've got to decide. Are we going to believe in that kind of God or not? I, yesterday was a day of yard work for me. If I like bounded up here to the platform slowly, it's because of that. But one of the things that that meant is I, I listened to a number of podcasts. One of them was uh, about the, the Fermi paradox. I don't know if any of you know the Fermi paradox. 
Don't expect you to know the Fermi paradox. It's not very important. But Fermi was a scientist who uh, worked on the Los Alamos project, uh, making the first atomic bomb. And he was he showed up in the lunchroom one day. And as they were prone to do, they're talking about extraterrestrials. And he said, so, if extraterrestrials are really a thing, why don't we ever see them? Why don't we know anything about them? In other words, if it's true that there is life on uh, another planet or in another uh, solar system, why don't we ever find out about it? Meaning that because we don't, there isn't. Okay, that's his paradox. And this podcast is all about the, the despair that very brilliant people have because, in their words, we are alone in the universe. Because, in their words, we are all there is. And I shook my head and thought, yeah, you get what you deserve. And that despair is well-founded. Because religion is not just a system of do's and don'ts. It's not just a, a regulatory principle or something that we say we believe. Apart from a living God who, who calls the dead back to life and calls into existence things that don't exist, we've got nothing. That's what faith is. That's where Abraham found himself. This isn't a set of teachings or rules that somebody made up to control the masses or keep people uh, from really uh, enjoying life. Either God is here and real and calling things back to life and calling things into existence, things that don't exist, or He's not. And if He is, then you've got something. See, that's where Abraham started. By saying, God gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that don't exist. So, then we're on to Abraham's experience of this. In hope, he believed against hope. In hope, he believed against hope. You say, how can you be in hope and against hope at the same time? And the reality is, you can take a look around you. And you can say, do the circumstances of my life convince me that God's promise will be true? And for Abraham, I mean, if you look in the next verse, the answer is no. He considered his own body dead. He was a hundred years old. Then he considered his wife barren. And how is that going to change when God says, so shall your offspring be. There was no hope. He could look at it and be against all hope. 
Yet what he chose to do was to believe in God in hope he believed against all the circumstances. Against hope. That was his invitation. That was his faith. In hope, he believed against hope. And what we have is we have the promise of God coming to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 12. And then years later, came to him again in chapter 15. He began to complain to God and say, Shall Eliezer of Damascus be my heir? And God said, Abraham, step outside. When God tells you to step outside, you know you're in trouble, right? He said, step outside. And he stepped outside and it was a cloudless night. And God said, look at the stars. So shall your offspring be. And in that moment of transcendence, God raised Abraham's eyes off of his old age, off of his barren wife, and onto the, the limitless character of God who called things that are not as though they are. Who raised the dead back to life. And so Abraham believed against hope. And you see, that really is a challenge for us because we, our eyes, we don't lift our eyes enough. We don't lift our eyes to the character of God enough. We are so quick though to look at our circumstances and say, oh, this is bad. This will never work out. Oh, this is disappointing. Oh, God will never win here. Abraham did not weaken in faith. From that moment on, Abraham held tight to the character of God that was manifest in the promise of God. Now, I, I, I love this little phrase because I weaken in faith all the time. I mean, I'm, I can't get a good enough cane to keep me upright on faith, right? I tip over all the time. And really, Abraham wasn't perfect, but he didn't give up faith. He didn't give up trusting the character of God. And here's what would weaken his faith. This is, this is, the, this is the correspondence. He didn't weaken in faith when he considered. Notice this is there twice. When he considered his own body, which is the good of dead. When he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. And so, the question is, what are you going to consider when it comes time for you to trust God? Are you going to consider probabilities? A lot of us consider probabilities. It's like, yeah, I'll trust God because I, I think it will work out. I mean, seriously, if I do that all the time. And I did it more when I was young, actually. 
when he considered his own body, which was good as dead, when he considered the burn, when he looked around him and he thought, is this likely to happen or not? I can either be weak or strong in faith. Okay, I'm starting to teeter a little bit. This is what it means for you to be a man or woman of faith. Are you going to trust God when you can't see how His promise could ever work out? No unbelief made Him waver concerning the promise of God. But instead, He grew strong in faith as He gave glory to God. So this, this I find encouraging. I mean, the no unbelief made him waver. I mean, that's, I, I feel like I waver all the time. And I struggle not to waver. But I do. But here, this next phrase, but grew strong in his faith, giving glory to God. That encourages me because that means he wasn't as strong as he could have been when he started. It means that when he first received the promise of God, when he first read it on those pages maybe, like you might have, you didn't get it like you could have. You sort of got it, but you didn't really go to the bank on it. But, over time, as you rehearse the Word and promise of God, you give glory to God by trusting in Him. By remaining strong in faith, in the in the face of doubt, God is glorified. Eric prayed a couple of times and said a couple of times about making God look good. This is what it means to give glory to God. You make God look good when you trust His Word and not trust circumstances. Okay, if I made a promise to you, be that that simple. If I made a promise to you and you said, there's no way Scott's coming through on this promise. Forget it. And you started off going off doing your own thing. That would pretty much mean you didn't think very much of me coming through on my promise. But if you just sort of sat tight, you said, well, Scott said he was going to come through. And you just waited. Okay, I'm... I'm a finite, fallible human being, and I still might disappoint you, but I would, but I would look better for you having trusted me than I would if you just completely blew me off. Okay, in some regard, that is the way that it's working here. Abraham, God gave a promise, and Abraham's waiting. Abraham is beginning with faith, and see, this is the thing. We think, well, I don't have much faith. Maybe I don't have as much faith as you know someone who's older or someone who's a missionary or whatever you want to say. I don't have enough faith. Let me just suggest to you, it isn't about how much faith you have. It's about the object of your faith. Can you really believe the One who promised? See, that's, that's where faith comes from, from your confidence in the character of the one who made the promise. 
And when someone doesn't have faith, what that means is not like, oh, if only I was more experienced, or oh, if only I was more spiritual. All that means is the one who made the promise in their eyes is not that faithful. So, I mean, you can't just dismiss and say, I don't have faith. Because what that is, is a problem of the faithfulness of God. You don't believe He can call the dead back to life or call into existence the things that are not. That's what it means. And so I grow strong in that by becoming clearer and by becoming more convinced of the character of the One who makes the promise. And so here we have, I think, perhaps the clearest definition of faith in the whole Bible. Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. It's really that simple. More faith is just that. Being more fully convinced that God is able. It doesn't change God's ability. It just means that I lock in in a way where I become more convinced of who God is and what He has said about uh, who He is. And really, that's where you get faith. And so one of the things that we have to come to grips with. I mean, this Abrahamic promise, you might say, is the trunk of the tree that is the Bible. Or it is the trunk of the tree that is uh, the program of God throughout the ages. In Genesis 12, God makes this initial promise and it, and it grows into, to an, go, you know, into a, a child. We, we know that it, Isaac comes. And Isaac's descendants go into um, Egypt and spend over 400 years there and come out a nation. And that nation is dispersed throughout the world. And from that nation comes one offspring named Jesus, through whom all of the nations of the world will be blessed. And that fulfills the promise. And we see it most clearly in the book of Revelation, standing before the throne, every tribe and tongue and language and nation. singing praises to the Lamb. And so this promise is a central promise that finds its fulfillment in Christ. And so, Abraham's faith in that promise, um, you can think of it this way. Okay? It was a bud. It was a flower that was a bud in, to Abraham. And he believed it. And as the Scriptures go on, the flower opens and it's in full bloom in Christ. And that's where we see this same promise. And so, Abraham's faith being counted to him as righteousness really is belief in the, the, the same promise that we have, only we have more of it. And we have to say, do I believe the promise of God? And the promise is articulated in a variety of ways in the New Testament. But to as many as receive Him, to those who believe on His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. Okay, in other words, to enter into His family, to enter into this blessing. 
That's who He gives the right to. You believe. So do you believe that He'll do that for you? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you believe that He loves you and gave His Son that you might have eternal life? By believing Him as He manifests Himself in that promise, it is counted to you for righteousness and you have eternal life. So we enter into this promise the same way. And it's counted as righteousness for us in the same way. And then once you enter in, your life as a person of faith does not change. It is still a life of faith. We talked the last several weeks about the principle of faith. And so everything I do is based on faith. Peter said He has given to us great and precious promises. What are the promises for? They're for believing. Okay, so I can pick, you can pick any promise. You just look at them. The way that you relate to God is His promise and your faith. Because ultimately it's His character manifesting His promise that you're believing. And so you say, I don't know, I'm, I'm worried. Okay? He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So how do you believe that? Well, you, you do it. You let your request be made known to God. You pray. You choose not to be anxious and you substitute prayer for anxiety. Okay? What does He then promise? The peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Are you going to believe that or not? Are you, I mean, I, I, like, I like the idea of the peace of God, but I still want to worry. That's not going to happen. Okay, You've got you to believe the promise in order uh, to have the benefit. Or I just think of this, some of the simplest promises that, that um, affect me day to day. I, I, I like to think that if uh, I get my way in my marriage, I'm happier. Just going to say it. Probably the only person who's ever thought that. And so I'm, I'm having to process this, right? How do I process it? I process it with the promise of God. Who says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. And then He says, Whoever loves his wife loves himself. Do I really believe that? Because if I really believe that, me getting my own way isn't the quickest way to experience love. The best thing I can do for myself is love my wife. Do I believe that? And so, ultimately, every day in my marriage, every day when I'm nervous, every day when I run across almost any situation... I'm faced with the fact, do I believe God or not? Because ultimately, my life is a life of faith. And I have to believe that God is able to make happen what He says will happen. And that's going to be the choice that I have to make. Well, it was counted Abraham for righteousness. 
And it wasn't written for His sake only, but for ours, because His faith works the same way as our faith. He had a crisis. He believed in God's character and God counted Him righteous. We have a crisis. Crisis is that God says He will save guilty sinners apart from their works. We don't believe it. Or maybe we do. Okay? If we do, it's counted to us for righteousness. It's for our sake. It's counted to us who believe. So the promise is crisis, faith in God's character, counted righteous. And here we have working back. That's Abraham's process. Here we have working backwards. Here's our, uh, us being counted righteous. When we believe in Him. Same process of faith. Who raised Christ from the dead? Unbelievable. Really? I have to, I have to see that when Jesus walked this earth and He was a great moral teacher, that doesn't save anybody. It's not until I recognize that Jesus was crucified, buried, rose again, and I realize why Jesus was crucified, buried, rose again, that I am counted righteous. And here's what it says about why He was crucified, buried, and rose again. He was delivered up or crucified for our trespasses and He was raised for our justification. In other words, here God says why. Or God says the promise that you have to believe when your Savior was a human failure. He ended up dying a criminal's death and you're going to be faced with, do I believe that God was doing something there, delivering me from my trespasses, justifying or making me right? Do I believe that? When I believe it, it's counted for to me for righteousness. And the principle is the same. The way that... that uh, Abraham was counted righteous is the same way that I am counted righteous. I have to come to grips with something that appears impossible. I have to trust in the character and promise of God regardless. And then He counts me righteous. And so it's my hope and prayer that you will trust God. Let's pray.